Hello, you guys. This is the Scripture Study Project, our podcast dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart into your personal study, and connect to God in your everyday life. I am one of your hosts, Krista Horton, and here with my husband, Zach Horton. Can you say hello, Zach? Well, I like how you pronounce our last name, because I always swallow the last syllable and just say Horton, but you... Put a lot of emphasis on the T. It's actually been a stress for me to have this last name for the last 12 years because I tend to just say Horton, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that might be a little bit of a Utah accent, just mm-hmm. a little bit. So I try and buck the trend and I Horton. specifically say Horton, even though sometimes I think people don't understand me because I say Horton or I sound weird. I kind of swallow the H too, didn't I that time? Horton. Horton. <laughs> But thank you. I'm glad you appreciate it because I put a lot of effort into that. So thank you for the compliment on that. (laughs) And that is our name, in case you wondered. But we could also go by... Never mind. I'm not going to go there. I was going to go to Horton the Elephant. Not going there today. Um, We are in Season 3. We're studying the Book of Mormon. This is Episode 8. And we are officially digging into these Isaiah chapters of 2 Nephi. So we're going to be studying today in chapters 11 through 25. So buckle up. Here we go. In fact, before we dive in, we wanted to give you a few... Our first season, we did study tips at the beginning of our episode. I don't know if this is really a study tip as much as their um, study perspectives, ideas that might help put your mind at ease when you approach the Isaiah chapters. The Isaiah chapters get a really bad rap for being hard to understand and we should just skip over them and oh my gosh, I can't get them. And and um, while some of that might be deserved, Isaiah did speak uh, in, oh, Nephi says it in chapter 25, he's hard to understand unless you know the geography and the manner of prophesying among the Jews. And and so he's some of it is deserved, but there's so much in there. If you can get past those few little barriers that uh, Isaiah can be really powerful. These Isaiah chapters can be really powerful. So we wanted to each give you just a a study perspective that has helped us as we approach the Isaiah chapters and actually makes me and and you as well really excited to read them. Well, and I think, like you were saying, if you know those things, if you know the geography, like Nephi says that he knows the geography, he's there and he understands what's going on. And you can know that too. There are certainly things that you can study and go through, but that's going to take some time and some years. I, I notice for myself that every year it gets a little bit more familiar and a little bit easier. But I think if you're at a place where maybe you don't want to start reading them, or maybe you're halfway through and you think, oh, this is still heavy for me. Um, I think these will hopefully help that that perspective. I think that's a good way to put it, Zach, is that like more of just a perspective change um, as you dig in. And for me, um, I remember having a pretty just spiritual experience in my scriptures. One of my favorite, actually, and it's in these first chapters in chapter 11 of, of this block. Um, and at the beginning, chapter two, he says, and now I, Nephi, write more of the words of Isaiah for my soul delighteth in his words. And he goes on, um, just saying how he saw the redeemer. And that was 
first of all, just a pretty cool thing. He's studying the scriptures and he saw his redeemer. I, and then he goes on to say like, my brother Jacob has also seen him. And we just read those last, the last block last week that was Jacob rejoicing in these words of Isaiah. And I really think, and that they get all this joy from proving that, um, that the Lord is with us and they get that through these Isaiah chapters. So for me, the spiritual experience came in these chapters and realizing and maybe having that shift in perspective that these are meant to be a delight. They're meant to be something that brings us and lifts us up and brings us joy like Nephi and Jacob experience. And I really think that even though maybe we don't understand everything, you can experience pieces of that joy. And I will say for me, um, many years of like not even really reading through these chapters um, to a place now where I definitely have a lot to learn on geography and on so much. Of course, it's the scripture, so you can always learn more. But I'm at a place where I can delight in it. I'm excited to study about these about Isaiah and about what he said and learn new little things here and there without the intimidation factor that was once a piece of my study. It's really good. And that uh, dovetails really well into the point that I wanted to make uh, at the end of the Isaiah chapters in chapter 25. I love Nephi's, um, I don't know, candid explanation of his expectations for his people. Uh, This is verse 1. I, Nephi, do speak somewhat concerning the words which I have written, which have been spoken by the mouth of Isaiah. For behold, Isaiah spoke many things which were hard for many of my people to understand, for they know not concerning the manner of prophesying among the Jews. Now, what's interesting to me about that is Nephi just quoted 12 chapters of Isaiah, 13 chapters of Isaiah, and yet he does not expect his people to understand everything Isaiah says. Now, he goes on to say, I find Isaiah's words very plain because I know the geography and I know the manner of prophesying among the Jews, but my people don't understand it. And yet, in verse 8, he says, They are of worth unto the children of men, and he that supposeth they are not, unto them will I speak more particularly and confine the words unto mine own people. For I know that they shall be of great worth unto them in the last days, meaning today, for in that day shall they understand them. Wherefore, for their good have I written them. And so I like both that Nephi says, you're not going to understand everything Isaiah says. And that's okay. I didn't put them in there um, so that you need to dive deep into all of the contextual details. If you haven't caught something from our podcast by now, Uh, then I'll just say it overtly. While we uh, love and appreciate so many of the commentaries out there that can help give you these deep and rich contextual understandings of the geography and the nuances, one of the things that we believe really uh, at our core and at the core of the podcast is you don't need that to have a powerful experience with the scriptures. And I think that's Nephi's belief. Even though you don't understand everything Isaiah says, they're of great worth to you and especially those of you who are reading them in the last days because in the last days they will make much more sense to you. Uh, And in a minute we'll explain what that is and, and what that means. Yeah, and I think maybe if I could just add a couple more study tips quickly in here that are in the Come Follow Me manual this week that I think solidify what Zach just mentioned about this experience that you can have in the scriptures if you aren't a scripture 
genius or if you haven't studied the geography and the all of those things. Um, I like that it says here, one of the tips it gives is liken his words unto yourself. Many of Isaiah's teachings have multiple possible meanings and applications. That means you can find things about you in these scriptures um, because they're there for you. Nephi tells us that. The second one is seek to be filled with the spirit of prophecy. The best way to understand Isaiah's prophecies is to seek inspiration from the spirit. You may not understand everything all at once, but the spirit can help you learn what you need to know for your life today. If we're talking about finding the realness and the rawness in the scriptures, that can happen as you seek with prayer and come to your scriptures ready to learn from the spirit. And I think those are great tips. And certainly it says like the other ways you can find out, you can find out about the geography. There are great books. So if you want to go there, that's a great place to go to. And that can always aid in your study. There's something for everyone. In fact, one final note on your final note. Um, <laughs> we mentioned this in our episode last week, but Jacob makes a point when he reads the Isaiah chapters, this is back in chapter six, uh, that he likens Isaiah's words unto his people because they are of the house of Israel, because Isaiah spoke about the house of Israel. Nephi makes a very similar statement in chapter 25, verse four. He says, wherefore, hearken, O my people, which are of the house of Israel and give ear to my words. For because of the words of Isaiah are not plain unto you, nevertheless, they are plain unto all those who, have, who are filled with the spirit of prophecy. In other words, because you belong to the house of Israel, you should understand these, or you should seek for the spirit of prophecy that'll help you understand them because they pertain to you. Um, likewise for us today, we belong to that house of Israel. President Nelson has been very clear that we belong to the house of Israel. We are involved in gathering others of our brothers and sisters that also belong to the house of Israel. And Isaiah is that prophet who talks about this house or this family of Israel. At the core of this, this is all about uh, collecting and gathering God's family which we call the house of Israel. And so as you read, think about this uh, less as a discussion of what happened historically to the house of Israel in the past and more of a description of what's happening or what could or should happen to the modern house of Israel today. And that's kind of cool to think about because if you have listened to anything from President Nelson over the past couple years, that has really been a focus, which kind of makes it cool really to get into these chapters of um, these are prophets just like our prophet today who we're talking about being gathered in with the Lord and that we're all a part of that work. So these these really are things um, that we can liken unto ourselves. All right. So to dive in, we're going to give you a, a, a frame that will make a big difference. This might be another study perspective. In fact, this might be the study perspective. If you want to have a powerful experience studying any set of scriptures, but especially the Isaiah chapters, this is what you probably should look for. Back in 1 Nephi chapter 6, Nephi, very early on in the Book of Mormon, explains very overtly what his purpose is in writing everything that he writes. This is chapter 6, verse 4. He says, The fullness of mine intent is that I may persuade men to come unto the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and be saved. 1 Nephi 19, verse 18. And I, Nephi, have written these things unto my people that perhaps I might persuade them that they would remember the Lord their Redeemer. And then down in verse 23, um, but that I might more fully 
persuade them to believe in the Lord their Redeemer. I did read unto them that which was written by the prophet Isaiah. So it's clear that Nephi views his primary purpose in writing to persuade people to believe in Christ. And he views the Isaiah chapters as the most important way that he can do that, the most effective way he can persuade people to believe in Christ. At the end, in chapter 25, he phrases it this way. Verse 23, For we labor diligently to write, to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. Now, I had to look up that word reconciled. And what it means, the 1828 definition is, to call back to or to restore to union or friendship after a period of alienation or estrangement. In other words, what Nephi wants to do with these chapters is to persuade you to either come to Christ in the first place, or if you've left him in any aspect of your life, to come back to him, to be brought back into friendship with the Holy One of Israel, with the Messiah, with the Redeemer, with the Lamb of God. And so what we want to do is provide a couple of things that we found in the Isaiah chapters that we feel does that for us, that helps us want to strengthen our relationship with Christ or come back into that friendship. Of course, as you study, you're going to find so many other things that pertain to you and to the people that you know and love. But let's look for things that persuade us to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. And doesn't that just, those words that you use there um, for reconciled, that calling back, that coming back or coming to, I think that really puts into perspective the gathering, the word gather. Like we're just trying to reach out in friendship and love and bring people to Jesus Christ. And that's the whole point of all of this. So I just love this question because I think that um, we can find a lot of truth in these scriptures that can help us gather ourselves and other people. So I'll start. This is 2 Nephi chapter 16. This has long been one of my favorite chapters uh, that Isaiah gives. And uh, as I read it this time, I noticed something a repetition of a, a description of the Lord, I guess. Um, chapter 16, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Train is like a, a robe or a cape. So his train fills the temple. Then down in verse 3. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then verse four, the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Three times in four verses, uh, using a little bit of symbolic language, Isaiah is trying to show that the Lord is everywhere. Now, we referenced this last week that one of the things that we underestimate about the Lord is that his is his presence, the sheer universality of his presence, that he really is everywhere. Um, we mentioned that we had an experience with Elder Bednar where he emphasized this principle that we don't have to go through a laundry list of steps in order to be in the Lord's presence. He's always there. He's our father and he's everywhere. And I love that here Isaiah is explaining exactly that. Now, if I'm Nephi, the thing I love about the Isaiah chapters is it's not just Isaiah. This is Nephi quoting Isaiah, which makes your reading of the Isaiah chapters a little bit different. 
I think the reason why Nephi quoted this is because this has been Nephi's experience. As he's gone through all of the trials and difficulties he's been through, his testimony is that the Lord has always been there for him and always been his strength and his and his companionship. You go back and read 2 Nephi chapter 4, and that's what Nephi says. He's always been there for me. Well, I've experienced that recently that God has been everywhere for me. He's been in every little tiny detail. Once I've started looking for him, once I've noticed, or once I've come to believe that that principle is true, that he really is everywhere, I've started looking for him, uh, and I can I can bear testimony of it. God really is, the Lord really is everywhere. His smoke fills the temple. His train fills the house. Uh, his glory fills the entire earth. And so for me, that's a very persuasive truth about the Lord. Why should I want to be with him? Because he's everywhere. And uh, there's nowhere I can really hide to get away from him in the first place. And I want to be with someone that so desperately wants to be with me. And as I start in on mine, I have to say that Zach's kind of been making fun of me, but maybe he thinks it's cute too. I don't know. But I've been explaining a lot of my feelings about God and about Jesus Christ with my hands, like... He's just there, and I put my shoot my hands out, and <laughs> but you were doing that just barely when you were talking about it. He's everywhere. Can you see our hands? They're <laughs> floating up in the air. They're like, what would you describe this action as, Zach? If you could describe it to someone that can't see, I can't. <laughs> anyway, hopefully you get the idea. Sometimes that's the um, the limitations to a podcast, but maybe you can see what our hands are doing. And I said that before recently in an episode, but mine actually goes very similar along with my hand gestures. So that's why I'm bringing this up. But, um, the, a verse that we read very often that we, you can probably recite with me as I read comes from second Nephi chapter 19, verse six, for unto us, a child is born unto us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Um, and what I did this time that I hadn't done before is really kind of feel those verses um, before and after that meant something to me along with my hand gestures. Um, this comes starting in verse three. It says, Thou hast multiplied the nation and increased the joy. They, they joy before thee according to the joy in harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the, divide the spoil. Um, he hath multiplied the nations and increased the joy. Through who? Through what we just read. A child is born and is given to us, and wonderful counselor, mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And then beginning right after that in verse 7, of the increase of government and peace, there is no end upon the throne of David. There is no end to the peace, to the joy um, that is given to us through Jesus Christ. And I think that's just something that I can that helps me be persuaded is that there's so much more. This increase can happen when we listen and when we let ourselves be reconciled to God to feel that, um, that increase is part of the thing that helps me be persuaded to come to God. Hence the hand motions, the increase in joy, the increase in government, the increase in peace. Yes. Those increases mm -hmm. are, are pretty cool to read about. Um, chapter 21. This is another one that uh, is somewhat well known. 
Um, you may have even seen the illustration of the stem of Jesse and the rod and the root. And there's a lot in here that's very symbolic. Um, but there's something powerful here. If you back up just a couple of verses, um, I've said this before, but one of the things that limits our scripture reading sometimes is these arbitrary chapter breaks. None of the scripture authors uh, put chapter breaks or even verses in their writing. That came later on. And so there shouldn't really probably be a chapter break between the end of chapter 20 and the beginning of chapter 21. And so if I can back up, chapter 20 is a destruction chapter. And a lot of these chapters are where uh, Isaiah is describing, Isaiah is the prophet of, of here's what's going to happen if you don't return to the Lord. And so he makes these prophecies of what will happen. And a lot of it's really gruesome. And chapter 20 is a chapter filled with gruesome destruction because uh, people boast in their own strength. I love verse 15. Shall the axe boast itself against him that heweth therewith? Shall the saw magnify itself against him that shaketh it? In other words, uh, these great kings of the earth are boasting their own strength. And because of that, at the very end of chapter 20, verse 33, Behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, shall lop the bough with terror. He's going to cut the tree down. And the high ones of stature shall be hewn down, and the haughty shall be humbled, and he shall cut down the thickets of the forest with iron, and Lebanon shall fall by a mighty one. In other words, God's going to cut down, the Lord's going to cut down all of these mighty rulers that boast their own strength. And so verse 20, or chapter 21 then, there shall come forth a rod, that means a branch, out of the stem, that means a stump, of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. In other words, picture this stump. The Lord has just cut down the earth. He's just leveled it because there's so many rulers that boast themselves and boast their strength. And so he cuts it all down. And now there's this stump. But out of the stump, there will come a branch. And then verse two, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him on this branch and the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. We're describing the Savior here. But I love the image that Isaiah puts that he is this branch that comes out of this stump and the branch rescues the stump. Now, what I like about that is one of the characteristics I love most about the Savior is that he's a redeemer, that he's a restorer, that he takes broken, cut down things and he brings life to them. Again, Nephi loves this because he's seen the future of the Nephite people and he knows that they're going to be cut down and destroyed, but he knows that as long as there's even a shred of connection to the Lord, that he has a way to restore great things. Krista mentioned the gathering of Israel. That's what the gathering of Israel is. It's this Israel that's going to be cut down and scattered and spread everywhere, but because there's a connection to the Lord, he'll restore them and bring them back. And I love that for us, that when we feel cut down or scattered, that we believe in a God that restores. And so what a persuasive thing to build a relationship with him so that when life cuts us down, he restores us and brings life back. I think one thing that persuades me in these chapters to be reconciled and come back to Jesus 
is just some of these beautiful verses that we read from Isaiah that I think that I have identified with or that I felt. Um, starting in 22, actually all of chapter 22 is just a pretty beautiful, I don't know, it's not a psalm, but it kind of feels like that to me. Um, verse 2, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. And that verse 3 right there, draw waters out of the wells of salvation. This is something that keeps coming, keeps giving this water that we need always. I love that um, image as I think of what the Savior can do for us. And just those words in, in verse two, I mean, go back and read some of these and maybe even as you study, just find that comfort in some of these verses. I really felt these things in chapter two. Um, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. I think um, any of us can identify with that. I think the more you go along in life, you find, you got to find someone you trust. And in whom I'm going to place my trust is, is God, is Jesus Christ, because I feel that they are there for me. Um, I won't be afraid because they're my strength and they have become that for me because you have to trust someone. And I found that as I trust them, I gain comfort in knowing that they are going to be the ones that lead and guide me in the right places, even if I don't know how things are going to end and how things are going to turn out. So for me, um, some of the things that have helped me in these chapters is is enjoying some of these beautiful verses that maybe we can either be curious about and say, how can I feel that way? Or maybe how can I find that trust or realize like I've had moments like that that have helped me trust in something greater than myself. I love that. And as you were saying that, I was looking back at verse 23 that we read at the beginning. Of course, there's a second part to verse 23. Nephi says, we write, we labor diligently to write to persuade our children to believe in Christ, to be reconciled to God. And then there's that tricky line at the end, for we know that it is by grace that we are saved after all we can do. Um, Our episode that we did on these chapters two years ago, we focused heavily on that verse and on the grace that's described in these chapters. Um, and so if you want a more in-depth explanation for what that means, that might be a good resource to go to. But I'll just say really quick, though, that point that you made about trust is the main thrust of these Isaiah chapters. And we look at that verse sometimes and get trouble because we think that it says, I'll do everything I can first, and then I'll be saved by grace. I don't think that's what that verse means. In fact, I often read it, and this is just my own interpretation, but I almost wonder if it means... We know that we are saved by grace despite all that we can do. We can, we, can, we can be righteous until we're blue in the face, but that won't give us one inch or one ounce of heaven. We are saved by grace, which is why we write and labor to persuade our children to believe in Christ. Verse 26, why we talk of Christ, rejoice in Christ, and preach in Christ, because we know that it's only through him that we can receive remission of our sins and be saved. It's only through trusting him that salvation comes. You can just feel that, that please come. I the, Again, the hand motions, like be gathered in, come with us. And you feel that from Nephi and Jacob in these chapters. And you feel it from Isaiah too, that I, I just think just brings me all of those good feelings, that rejoicing, that trust, that comfort, that joy, um, that I think we can feel as we understand 
why these men chose to write the scriptures and chose to rewrite these these words from Isaiah because they want to gather us in. They want us to fill those things. So if you want a way to make the Isaiah chapters come alive, do what we've done. Look for truths about the Lord that persuade you to believe in him. You want a simple way to do this? Just go through and circle anytime you see a reference to God or the Lord, and then just pay attention to what it says about him. Forget about the names and the geography and the places and the history, and just focus on what Isaiah is saying about the Lord. Ask yourself, why is Nephi quoting that? And then ask the most important question, which is, what does that have to do with me and my personal relationship? At the summary of these chapters, Nephi writes in verse 28, And now, my people, you are stiff-necked people, wherefore I have spoken plainly unto you that you cannot misunderstand. And the words which I have spoken shall stand as a testimony against you, for they are sufficient to teach any man the right way. For the right way is to believe in Christ and deny him not. And then in verse 29, And now, behold, I say unto you that the right way is to believe in Christ and deny him not. Um, thank you so much for studying with us this week. Hopefully this lights your Isaiah chapter study on fire and hopefully it makes it fun and exciting uh, and rejuvenates your relationship with the Lord as you study. So thanks for being with us this week and we will see you next episode.